Hey, it's been a while. Welcome to another episode of Fill the Screams podcast. Today we will be covering the movie When Evil Lurks. This Argentinian film has been getting a lot of good ratings. It's on Shudder if you haven't watched it yet. I will warn you though, the director did an interview and he said that when he was making this movie, he wanted to make a movie for horror fans and not the mainstream fans. And when you go to watch this movie, he is not afraid to take out characters. Well, let's just say this. No one's safe. Pets, kids, people, whatever. Anything will go in this movie. So there's your warning. It's pretty graphic. Now, I will be hitting spoilers in this review. So if you haven't seen it, this is your warning. Go ahead and take a moment now and watch it before you listen to the rest of this. But for those who have seen it, stay tuned. Let's talk about it. Now, like I said before, this movie has been getting a lot of good word of mouth. When I heard about it, I was like, okay, I definitely need to see this. I need to see what the hype is about. When I first looked up the synopsis of the film, it said it was about two brothers dealing with possession. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, it's another possession movie. But it's really not. This movie takes place kind of in a world to where possessions are normal. But it's not the typical possession that you see in The Exorcist. There's not priests walking around saying the power of Christ compels you. Um, the church is dead in this movie. So it's interesting when this movie first opens up and one character says that her son is possessed. And the two main brothers of this film, you know, they, they don't really blink an eye. They're just like, okay, show me. And they don't really question it until they walk into the house. And I just thought this was kind of a... Neat little thing, you know, if you just blink and miss it. You know, it's a nice little storytelling element, because it's different. You know, usually when people are possessed, movies kind of play the whole, well, are they really possessed, or are they just mentally disturbed? You know, do the atheist people not believe them? You know, this doesn't happen in the movie. They even kind of mention that, well, usually possessions happen in the city, not in rural areas. You know, possessions are kind of like tornadoes in this movie it was just kind of a cool setup it's different you got to give it points for being different at least even if you didn't like this movie now with that being said with this movie being different this is a movie you really can't put on in the background you have to give this movie your full attention when you're watching it i mean they have rules for this possess for these possessions just different things going on all the time just little details that you better be paying attention to the screen and reading those subtitles or else you're going to miss out. Once we get some of the lore and they talk about the possessions and they even talk about an occupation that I thought that was cool that if they make another movie I hope they get more into. There's an occupation called a cleaner which to me it sounds almost like a religious mercenary. They know how to kill the infected people and kill them the right way. Because you can't just take a shotgun and blow these things' heads off. Um, if you do that, that spreads the evil. It's no good. Uh, I think they said there are seven rules. So I'd like to, if there was one thing I want them to expand more on in this universe, I'd like to see more of that cleaner business. But I mean, it's just mentioned in the beginning of the film. The supposed cleaner who's supposed to take care of the first infected person is killed in the woods, and that's who our two main characters run into literally like 20 seconds into the movie. He's cut in half. It's pretty graphic. Um, 
And at first they're like, oh, is it a puma? But, like, he's clearly cut in half. So it's a murder, and it gets you wondering right from the get-go. Now our two main characters, Pedro and Jimmy, once they see that the cleaner's cut in half, they don't know he's a cleaner yet, but they find that out later with some detective work. But they go and talk to a lady who's in the area. She says her son's possessed. And they're like, well, let's go take a look. And if you're like me, you know, you're probably picturing like something that looks like Again, from The Exorcist, you know, maybe it's talking with a dark voice, maybe a few cuts on its face, some dark eyes, dark pupils, but they walk in and they see the, just this massive figure. Looks like Jabba the Hutt. It's disgusting. There's pus everywhere. It's just, imagine the grossest, largest human being possible. And that's what the very first possessed person looks like. Now this first possessed person, it really kind of sets the tone for the film. Because if you're like me and if you're hearing all these things, you're like, okay, you know, where where's all this going? And then as soon as you see him, you're like, okay, he's pretty gross. And the little antics of, you know, when they later get that landlord and the landlord's like, we got to move him away from this area so that my land doesn't get tainted. So they take that sheet and they try to transport him to the truck and it's like leaking urine and pus and who knows what. And again, it's just very gross, but it just kind of sets the tone for the film. Like, okay, I can see this probably going in some dark areas here. Now, once our main characters transport the first possessed person and they eventually mess that up because they almost hit a school kid and they just completely lose the possessed person on their way to wherever they were going to drop off the fat tub of lard guy. I mean, the landlord thinks it's good enough, but we all know deep down we're watching a horror movie here. You know, it's not all going to be sunshine and smiles after this event. You know what's coming. Uh, the evil's coming, and it's going to haunt all of these people that we've seen so far. And it starts with the landlord. Now, the scene with the landlord and his goat and his pregnant wife, I mean, you kind of get a hint with the cover. I mean, the cover literally shows a, a lady holding an axe facing her face. So you kind of get an indication of his wife is freaking out, saying the goat's the devil, he's pulling out a gun. She's like, no, don't use the gun, use the axe. And you're like, oh, there it is. Something's going to happen here. You know, the pregnant wife, she's freaking out. Look at that devil goat. And the entire time I'm just looking, I'm like, what? what's it doing? How does she know it's the devil goat? And so the landlord fires the gun in the air. All the goats scatter, except the devil goat. The devil goat approaches the land owner and just rests its head on the barrel of the gun. And by that point, you know, okay, there is something wrong with this goat. And as soon as it says, bah... The landowner shoots the goat, which then the pregnant wife responds by hitting the landowner in the head with an axe. And then, in a very gruesome scene, she turns the axe on herself and swings the axe and hits herself in the face several times until she dies. Yeah, the movie isn't afraid to do anything. But if that's not strong enough for you, then the next kill probably will be. And that's when Pedro goes to his ex-wife's house to go see the kids and warn them about the possessions that are going to start happening. Now, Pedro has had two kids with his 
now ex-wife. Their names are Santino, who's just a younger boy, and Jair, who is autistic. And he's autistic to the point to where throughout the movie he just kind of moans, he doesn't talk, he just kind of slumps. They have to kind of help him get around. And then also in the house there's a little girl who I'm guessing is the ex-wife and now the stepdad's kid. Now Pedro goes into his ex-wife's house and he's immediately saying they have to leave town. Things are about to be bad. There's a rotten, which is the term they use for possessed person. And evil's about to spread, so they need to leave. And his ex-wife is just kind of like, are you crazy? And in her defense, I mean, this dude's like stripping his clothes in the living room. And I mean, he, he has a reason. I mean, he that's like part of the rules. Like, he touched a rotten person, so... He has to get out of his clothes, but I mean, you know, it's not helping his argument of proving that he's sane. So those two start arguing, and the poor stepdad's just kind of standing in the corner as a third wheel, kind of acting like he doesn't really know what to do. While they're all arguing, Santino and the little girl, they're kind of just playing around the house, witnessing the adults yelling. But then... See, and this is where the filmmaking's pretty clever. They use the dog, and the dog goes over to his clothes he just took off that he was intending to burn so that no one would touch them. Now, this dog is massive. It is the size of Cujo. It is just a large... I mean, I'm not. I'm no expert at dogs. Maybe it's a St. Bernard. I don't know. But this dog is just huge. You don't... You just hope it doesn't turn bad. But as soon as it sniffs the clothes, you know... That again, something bad is going to happen. And you're like, oh man. Like, Hopefully it attacks the stepdad. And that was my hope. But as the scene continues, the little girl, she keeps going near the dog, patting it on the head, spinning around, playing with the dog. And this scene just takes so long to happen. You're like, oh no, how? please don't, don't. But you know it's going to happen. And then boom. The dog just like bites her face and drags her around the kitchen. And the adults don't even know. Santino's the one who sees it. And he has to start screaming, Mom, Dad. And, you know, they come flying in. And then by the time they get in there, you see the dog having the little girl. And it's just like ragdolling her around. Like she's, she's gone. Then the scene gets really crazy. Because Pedro realizes crap's hitting the fan faster than he thought. So he goes and gets high air and Santino and he's like, hey, we need to get out of here. The stepdad's getting a gun. He's chasing the dog. Pedro catches up to the stepdad and he's just like, hey, man, you can't shoot it. If you shoot it, it's going to go bad. But I mean, you can't really blame the stepdad. I mean, if my kid was ragdolled by a dog, um, I'm probably getting rid of the dog. And that's what he does. He shoots the dog. So Pedro then... Goes back to the house and the little girl who was just ragdolled by this gigantic dog. She's now in front of the ste- uh, the ex-wife. And she's talking to the ex-wife and she looks perfectly fine. But she's just like, yeah, dad's gonna come home and kill you. And she's like laughing and giggling about it. And the mom's just like, oh, the kids say the darnest things. And then the stepdad comes and hits both of them with the truck. 
But as soon as he hits them both with the truck, you see the little girl like dancing and playing in the front lawn. And you just kind of realize like, okay, these possessed things, they control the dead, which is a rule they said earlier in the film. And again, you got to make sure you're paying attention to this stuff so you're keeping up because this movie moves like a thousand miles an hour whenever things go bad. Now, I figured the ragdoll scene would probably be the worst scene in this movie, but there's some other scenes that also contend for just nastiness and that just makes you uncomfortable. That's this whole film. Like, you don't feel comfortable one bit while watching this. Eventually, Jimmy introduces Pedro to this lady who is like an ex-cleaner. She just has experience with the rotten or possessed people. And she provides a house for them, which was very nice of her. But things go bad again, and Santino, he gets kidnapped. That lady then points at high air and says, oh, he's possessed. But with autistic people, the effects don't happen right away. It's like the possession is in a maze. Like, they can't really figure out their brain. And I thought that was kind of a creative spin again. Just because you figure something bad's gonna happen, this kid's like a ticking time bomb. And at first when she says, like, he's possessed, they're like, no, he's just autistic. And she's like, no, no, I can tell by his hands, and it shows his hands, and he's doing this weird thing. But at the moment when they're talking about it, like, he's just being high air. Like, he's sitting, head against the window, moaning. You're just wondering when he's eventually gonna be possessed, and of course, it's going to be a bad time when he finally is now the kid who plays high air he's a pretty good actor because i was sitting there and i was like man he does a good job you know playing this autistic kid with the moaning and just kind of with a thousand yard stare and i was curious you know how much was it actually acting you know did he study different people with Strong cases of autism that can't communicate well. And then the scene later on where he's just alone with grandma. And he just kind of struts into her house. And he's now just looking around and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm cold and I'm thirsty. You mind uh, cooking me up a meal? And the grandma's just sitting there like, oh, no. And then it cuts away. And you're wondering, what exactly did he do to her? And we find out at the very end of the film, which I will get to. Now, I mentioned Santino was kidnapped, right? Well, the ex-wife, she came back possessed, and she stole Santino. Pedro seen it happen. He saw her jump from the balcony, then they disappeared. And then a little part of you, because I mean, Santino's just this little boy. And a little part of me is just like, man, I hope by the end of the film, you know, maybe the possessed mom, there'll be a standoff and she'll have the kid and she'll be like, aha, you want to get him back, don't you? And then they have this big epic fight and somehow he saves the kid. But it doesn't happen that way. Because again, this film just doesn't care. What does happen to him is just a very disgusting scene. The scene with Santino probably shook me up the most. And what it was, was Jimmy was driving around looking for Santino or looking for the ex-wife. He's going down this dark road. And then Jimmy sees the ex-wife. And the ex-wife is stumbling down the road, covered in blood, holding Santino. 
and he drives closer very slowly and then you just get this slow shot of the ex-wife she has santino's head ripped open and she is literally like eating his brains like she's some person scooping out from a tub of ice cream and just eating it it's disgusting like literally no words can do this scene justice it is a disturbing scene and if you haven't seen it i mean i can't i can't really put it into words for you it's just a very gross and disgusting scene it, it sucks for santino and if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about like this this scene is awful and i mean awful in a good way because it is their job to make us feel that way right it's a scary movie but then Jimmy takes his car, puts it in reverse, and just drives his car into the ex-wife, nailing her into a tree. And then as she's pinned up into the car, her face is like in the windshield, leaking blood everywhere. And then she said the words, I thought you had a thing for me. I think that's what was the words. I mean, it was in the ballpark of that. And there are some theories going around that maybe... Jimmy had a fling with the ex-wife, and Santino could possibly be his. It's just a theory. But, I mean, I just wondered why they had her say that. If there wasn't some truth to it, maybe. I don't know. Now, the whole end, and I'm not talking about Hayer's part. I'm talking about the kind of the climax of the film. Basically, the lady who used to be a cleaner, her and Pedro... They go out looking for the very first rotten person. And eventually they go to the school where all these like children are. And these children, I mean, they're possessed. But they all kind of have different personalities. Like there's one kid that goes up to Pedro and lies to him. And then another girl pops up and she's like crying. But she's a very convincing crier. And he almost believes her. But then the cleaner's like, no. The rotten body is here at the school. They're just trying to lead us away. So we find out these kids are just like super evil. And they're just trying to distract them from finding the rotten person. And eventually they find the very first rotten guy buried underneath this platform. The cleaner, she gets out these like artifacts that is the right way to kill the rotten person. She's getting it all set up. She's telling Pedro... You have to get the the first rotten out here so we can kill him. And I mean, like, this dude's, like, buried deep into the stage. And this guy weighs, like, 600, 700 pounds. Pedro's not gonna lift him out of this little shelter. And the little girl who cries a lot, she's like, you know, there's an axe in the other room. And the cleaner lady's literally like, no, don't go in there. Like, they're just trying to get you to go away. And Pedro's like, huh? And then the girl's like, yeah, there, there's an axe over there. Like, it's always been there. You should go get it. And Pedro goes and gets it. Of course he does. And as he goes to get the axe, the door shuts, it locks. The kids murder the cleaner lady. Pedro finally breaks out. And he kills the rotten guy. But he does it the wrong way by bashing him in the head with the tools instead of using it right. Which then releases, like, this demon kid... And releases the evil into the world. So the good guys lose in this film. They lose bad. But the bad doesn't end there. So we get a final cut scene of Pedro at his house with high air. 
And of course, he's a emotional shell of what he used to be. I mean, he lost his ex-wife, he lost Santino, he released a demon kid who... Whenever the demon kid gets released, he takes his hand and kind of slides it on Pedro's forehead. And it leaves a three-finger mark, which Pedro can never remove. So it's always just kind of a reminder that he lost. But Hayer's eating ice cream. I think it's apple-flavored ice cream, which Hayer wanted earlier in the film. But Pedro couldn't find it, so Hayer was just in a mood for the longest time possible by just moaning very loudly because he didn't have his apple ice cream. Well, now he has it. So Hayer's eating this apple ice cream, and then he starts to choke. And Pedro's kind of just glancing off, and he's like, well, slow down, son. But... Hayer keeps choking. So Pedro finally walks over and the spoon's like in his throat. Pedro removes the spoon from his throat and Hayer starts throwing up. As he's throwing up, Pedro realizes there's hair coming out. And Pedro's helping him out, pulling the hair out of his throat. And then he finds a necklace, which it is Pedro's mom's necklace. Hayer's grandma. So what Hayer ended up doing during the one scene is he killed his grandma and he ate her. And now Pedro knows because he just threw her up right in front of him. And it's really gross. Like it's all white and pussy as he's throwing her up. There's hair everywhere. It's just a gross scene. And then the movie ends with Pedro walking out of the house, falling to his knees and crying and... His brother Jimmy kind of walks over to him, like looks at him, and just goes over to the car like, oh, like I don't even think he knows what happened. Maybe he does. But yeah, the movie ends with our characters just in despair. They, yeah, it's a dark ending. I mean, all around, this was a pretty solid movie. If you're the type that's tired of the mainstream horror films that usually get released by Bloomhouse you know, that feel very by the books, or they use a formula a lot, watch this film, because it follows no formula. They're not afraid to kill anyone. They will kill kids. They will have kids eaten. They will have kids eat their grandma. They will do anything. It was a pretty dark film, but I mean, that was the purpose. I would say this movie had pretty scary scenes in it, now, overall, I mean, I, I've seen some criticism, and some people are like, I wasn't even scared. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I wasn't sleeping with the light on when I went to bed. But, I mean, in terms of dark scenes, I mean, this movie pushes the line as much as any. I would definitely recommend this film to anyone who claims they are a fan of horror films. Well, that about wraps up my review for When Evil Lurks. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest it. While you're still here, please take a moment to like and subscribe to the channel. That always helps, and it helps the videos get spread around to other viewers, so I would greatly appreciate that. And until next time, guys.